bitches bad and bullshit. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. Uh, guys, it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. How's your week been? Erica, you go first. I always go first. Um, what did I do this week? My weeks are a blur. I, I have to say. Because you don't have a nine to five job. Yeah. I know. I, I'm always doing something. What did I do this week? What did I do? I started watching House of Cards. Oh, yeah. Oh. And it's extra dirty. Oh, mm-hmm. I haven't started it yet. Mm-hmm. I'm on episode like two or three. But Homeland also came out, so I binged Is that, that still a thing? Yeah. Why is that still a thing? I love is Homeland. Is that the most recent season? It's season five, so I think there's one more season after it. Yeah, there's a six. Okay, I yeah. started watching six, I and I was like... I three. Really? <laughs> I think I finished three, and then I was like, okay, done. I was done with Homeland. Claire, D- Claire Danes does get on my nerves. Oh, she's grating. <sighs> it's pretty, like, I just want her to be, like, a stable person, you know? Character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But somebody last night was like, well, no, her, like, her brokenness is what makes her such a great character. And I was like, oh, okay. Another <laughs> manic pixie I find her girl. self-absorbed. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. find her intensely self-absorbed, and I don't understand where broken... And, and, you know, broken to me means vulnerable. Yeah. The woman is self-absorbed. That's She's not vulnerable. <laughs> also, like, deeply incompetent and awful at her job. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's like, you're making bad choices. It, it frustrates me to watch her bad choices. Yeah, like, she makes a series of, like, very bad choices and then eventually stumbles she, upon the well, correct... Saul has to she does. Her. She does stumble into she righteousness, doesn't she? <gasps> totally! Oh my god, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We should have, like, a TV show version of Bad and Bitchy or something. <laughs> because I swear, it's true, she does fail up. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Aaron, what Good one, Erin. Yeah. <laughs> She's also a really bad parent. Yeah. 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 Uh, what have you been up to this week? Oh, this week was just so busy. Um, work was crazy. Um, yeah, it was just very kind of uh, busy. Not a lot of like downtime. I'm reading the new Kevin Kwan book from the Crazy Rich Asian series. Tell us about it. Um, so it's actually being the first book is being made into a movie, Crazy Rich Asians, starring the first all Asian cast. Mm-hmm. Um, the books are super funny. Um, there's a whole swath of characters. They're about the like one percent of the one percent of the one percent rich people in Asia, mm-hmm. and they're the people like you don't even know exist. Like they're not in the tabloids. They like mm. basically hide their wealth, but they're like multi billionaires. So is this like a okay? So is this like a fictional series yeah. of books? Okay, yeah. and what's the premise? Um, so each. It's about this, um, these like series of families and their relationships towards each other. Um, and each book obviously is like a different thing. The first one is um, this most eligible bachelor in Asia. Mm-hmm. He's living in America. He's a professor at a university in New York, and he's dating a quote unquote commoner. Mm-hmm. Okay, who is also his like colleague, and then he she has no idea that he's from this super rich family. 
So then she kind of finds out and it's kind of about his family's reaction to learning about her and her learning about them. Okay. Is she... She's also Asian. She's also Asian, but but grew up in... America. America. Okay, this is awesome. Yeah. So which part of Asia does it usually focus on? Um, so they're all sort different types of Chinese. Okay. Yeah, so they're Singaporean, uh, Hong Kong Chinese, mainland Chinese. Okay, so like it's a Chinese diaspora kind of? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And what's it called? Cool. Uh, the first one's Crazy Rich Asians. Uh-huh. The second one is China Rich Girlfriend. Oh, and then this last one is, oh, I forget. When were these written? Around. Uh, the first one was written probably 2010-ish. Okay. So they're fairly recent, yeah. fairly, oh, fairly modern yeah. type of move, like movement patterns. Yeah. So we're, okay. Cool. Yeah. So it's being Very made cool. into like a movie? Yeah. Oh. The first all Asian cast. Well, hooray, and Constance hurrah. Wu from I was gonna ask <laughs> from Fresh Off like, the Boat is playing I was playing like, the, is like, Constance Wu in the oh, mix? Yeah. I follow her on Twitter. Oh, she's great. She is amazing. Yeah. Okay. That's sorry. Amazing. That's a that was a long intro. That yeah. was interesting. Yeah. Bailey. Uh, well, I don't have anything either. I, <laughs> I know. Like, I, I, don't I don't feel know like I'm know. boring uh, all well, of a sudden. I just feel like this was like a low key week. Yeah. I just didn't really get up to much. Yeah. Well, I mean, after your run last week. Yeah, so how did you do in your run? I had a personal best. Oh. Yeah. So that was really This exciting. is what happens when you don't drink apparently. I, well, and I'm on day 90 of sobriety. What? Wow. They would what? let me out of rehab today. So what? It's pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> if I was It's doing parole. If I was doing inpatient, today would be release day. <laughs> so how do you feel about yeah. not drinking? Um, well, I'm writing a series of personal essays about it. Okay. So there's been a, it's, there's a lot to unpack. Like, so sobriety and drinking and women, it's this, like, so much alcohol marketing is targeted at women and uses women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're, like, told, like, like mo- mommy juice for wine. And, like, like, I saw a Mother's Day brunch poster that was, like, moms don't need yoga, they need wine. And I was, like, like, I'm sure parenting is hard. I'm sure it is. But, like, I feel like that's a weird message. Yeah, it's a coping yeah, problem. Yeah, and, like, being a drunk mom probably isn't really, like, that great for right. your kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it always shows up on, like, Judd Apatow movies yeah, or something. Yeah. And it's it's cute and it's funny and it's in yeah. that it's in that ve- vein of that frazzled woman yeah, who yeah, can't exactly. get her shit together. Isn't exactly. that all, they're also that, like, CBC series about bad moms or something there was a movie and then there's some sort of cbc show i think yeah Yeah. working moms yeah Yeah. oh working moms yeah 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 so it's like it's we're told all the time that we have to drink and all this marketing is put to us but then we're shamed for drinking like if if you're sexually assaulted one of the first questions that's asked of you is were you drinking and like there's like this so anyway it's this weird rock and hard place so to unpack it all I've been writing these like personal essays and how do you physically feel I feel well I feel much more productive for sure like on the day-to-day I don't really feel that different I am sleeping better and uh I am not throwing up all day (laughs) a lot so (laughs) that's been really good I might join you on this, Bailey. Yeah, some days, like... When I, I feel was, like I need a cleanup. Yeah, when I was drinking yeah. hard, like, the next... The whole... Well, you know. The yeah. whole next day, I would just throw up all day long, Ugh. like, 40 times, and be, like, blackout and full of anxiety and, like, 
Anyway, this is not a podcast about my like emotional state, but I feel good. I'm happy that I haven't had a drink in 90 days. So awesome! Yeah, that is awesome. I'm so happy Thanks. for you. So am I. I'm. I'm really wow. <laughs> wow. I'll let you know when the series of personal essays gets released on Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll be like the next sleeper hit, like Fifty Shades of Grey. Exactly. <laughs> Bailey's drunken moments. <laughs> Fifty Shades of Drunk. <laughs> Uh, so feminism this week. Yeah. Feminism, feminism, feminism. Some some exciting things happened in the NDP leadership race. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Ashton is pregnant. Okay. Yeah. Yay, yay, Nikki. So great. I, I assume she wanted to get pregnant. So yay for her for getting pregnant. Uh, but I thought it was pretty cool when she was like, like millions of Canadian women, I'm going to continue my work. Well, yeah, that's very respectable. I mean, she is due in and around the time that the leadership convention or the leadership vote happens. Mm -hmm. In November? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, to stay on and being working so hard Mm -hmm. during that, particularly that back few months, the like third trimester when you're getting a lot heavier and like, Mm-hmm. you're experiencing a lot more physical pain and distress. Yeah. yeah. And like exhaustion. that's pretty, yeah. Cause she's going to be going around the country. Yeah. Knocking on doors, so to speak. Yeah. Totally. It's going to be very stressful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but of course, so then inevitably when women do things like have babies, <laughs> men everywhere say, well, how are you going? She, how can she be a leader? How could she run for leadership if she's going to? Apparently her brain, <laughs> she gives birth to her brain. <laughs> With the child. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess the, the conversation is how is she going to be leader while also being a new mother? Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, you know, Ivanka Trump went back to work a, a week after giving birth. Yeah. Marissa Mayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is possible. Um, there's already been some misogyny online. Shocking. <laughs> so Brian Lilly, what is his deal? He like works for Breitbart or something, right? Oh, does he? Uh, he? Yeah, sorry, he's co-founder of the Rebel Media. Oh, well. <laughs> Which is basically Breitbart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, For those who don't know, the Rebel Media is the Breitbart of Canada, basically. Yeah. yeah. Breitbart mixed with Fox News in its heyday in like 99 to like 2010. Yeah. 12? Yeah, that's something a like good. That. That's yeah. A good. Uh, anyway, he tweeted, when at Nikki Ashton announced she was pregnant, she avoided the words baby or child. Congrats, Nikki, but let's admit you are having a baby. And it, <laughs> it's because Nikki Ashton said she was expecting. So, I mean, we all knew. We were like, okay, that what means What was she expecting, a, a potato? Like, what did he think she was going to be doing? <laughs> I think he's the only one who needed clarification. Yeah, <laughs> Like, exactly. does he not know? Because I don't know where this non, this faux outrage... Uh, actually, you know, coming to think of it, this is faux outrage. Yeah. And if you think the left is the only one that does the faux outrage, this is example of right-wing faux outrage snowflake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, so, he, of course, like... People tweeted him and were like, everyone knows that's what that means. (laughs) And then so he said, well, I'm just happy to hear a left winger call um, a pregnancy a baby instead of a collection of cells. It's like, it was a collection of cells. At one point, and then it evolved and grew into (laughs) a person. She didn't get an abortion, so now it's a baby. (laughs) Like, it's getting there. Well, it's a fetus. It's not even a baby. Let's be real. 
Anyway. Um, so, so <laughs> because she didn't say the word baby, he's confused. He was like, let's just admit you're having a baby. <laughs> to be fair, it is a weird statement to put out that you're expecting. And not it is kind of old-fashioned. You're having mm-hmm. a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is I'm a preggers. Little, yeah. It's a, little, it's a little birth announcement for sure. Like, I'm not going to... Okay. Oh, my God. It, okay, is she going to have a gender reveal party? Because I really hope so. Oh, oh, my God. And can it be, like, a public event that we can all go to? Because Can like they live would, stream it? It would be, like, so fun. I feel like she would throw a great gender reveal party. Also, I don't I fucking I, hate I, gender reveal parties. I fucking hate seeing them on Facebook. I've never been on one, into one. I've never been to one either, but I hate seeing them on Facebook because you know what? Just go to the fucking doctor. <laughs> well, you know, it's about celebrate, and I, I truly think that this is just, you know, big business doing incredible marketing. Mm, interesting. Um, every little step that you take has to be celebrated. Because, yeah. you know, God forbid, we might actually walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> and so because you've held it together through day 27, celebration! <laughs> there, <laughs> I mean, it's so... <laughs> there was a, a, a BuzzFeed list uh, this week that said... There's always mo- a BuzzFeed Millennial list. parents need to calm the fuck down. Hilarious. Ooh, 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 and it was ooh. about, like, how they, like take all these pictures of like, oh, my baby's one month old. Here it is with like this big like flat oh, lay. Yeah. Yeah, Here it is yeah, at two yeah. months old. And they like do all these super elaborate things. Mm-hmm. But more, sometimes it's more than just a chalkboard sign. It's like a whole <laughs> elaborate montage. Like an Ann Getty's photo shoot. Yeah. yeah. Why are we acting like people haven't been having babies forever, hence? Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, but I don't fucking care if your baby like is yeah. one I, month old and like Nobody cool. cares. Nobody uh, cares I'm sorry. about your kid. Like, I no, care. sure, sure, sure. I care. <laughs> I, I don't need to see. I care that the child is still breathing. But, like, <laughs> if you're posting pictures every other day, the fact yeah. that it's, like, oh, one month, I can't tell the discernible difference between when yeah. it was just born and hours old to when it's one month old or six months old because you've posted pictures every single day. It's true. My best friends and I, are, we've talked about this a lot and she was like I take a lot like I think my kid is the cutest ever and I take pictures of him every single day and I like have them all on my phone and I think he's adorable and I look at them but I don't think everybody needs to be part of that yeah but that that in itself is self-absorption totally because I was just at the bus stop and I saw the ugliest kid I'd seen in like four years okay yeah it was traumatic (laughs) I'm just like (laughs) And and the poor child, oh my God, this your child ads are gonna blow. Oh, I don't know. There's some <laughs> ugly kids, and you know why? Because y'all don't know how to mix up the gene pool. But I digress. <laughs> so this child was just blotchy and unattractive, and I was just like, "Oh my God, no!" But I bet you she's posting pictures of that poor kid ruining people's retinas because she thinks that this is the most beautiful child on well, earth. I'm done. I do. I'm think done. You know I'm over it. If you're a parent, of course your kid is the most beautiful kid on earth to you. That's fine. I'm going to be like, I mean, here I am talking. I know I'm going to be like, I take 100 selfies a day and post them. Like, imagine I had a kid. No, but like, my you would just. My selfie game is going to be, I'm going to be like, look at my new selfie But you wouldn't post like 18 pictures of your child oh, doing, like, what, laying there? Maybe. You just wait. You well, just wait uh, till I have a baby. You just you just wait till I tell you <laughs> about it. And I'm going to be like, you guys, look at how cute. And I'll be like, can we stop? <laughs> anyway, Nikki Ashton, invite us to the gender review. And um, congrats, yeah. actually. Yeah. 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 
We are excited for you, despite this diatribe about babies. Well, you know. I just, I just, I'm not, you know. I hope the gen- they just gender reveal and it's just orange. <gasps> oh! oh! Snap. Oy. Gender neutrality. A gender neutral, gender reveal, orange party. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Erica, you're next. Oh, am I next? Who do I have on the docket? Ah, Bill Maher can't sit at our table. So I just want to say that we record Bad and Bitchy the Saturday before we before the Tuesday or Wednesday we release it. So it's Saturday um, around midday, and Bill Maher just had just came back from a week off of real time, and he greeted us with the word house nigger. That's right. Oh my gosh. Bill Maher. Came out. He was he was actually interviewing Republican, I believe, senator, um, a Nebraska senator, um, Bill Sass. Bill Sass. Ben Sass. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're all the same. This is this is how it goes. I've got to get out to Nebraska more. Offered Mar. They were talking about Nebraska and something about Halloween and how people, adults in Nebraska, don't dress up for Halloween. It would be frowned upon, according to Ben Sass. I don't know if this is true. Nebraska, hit me up. Let me know if this is true. I anyway, like how he's speaking on behalf of literally all adults in the state in, of Nebraska. In the state of Nebraska, right? We have no fun in Nebraska. No fun. No fun. No, no. fun. I, I've been to Nebraska. It's very pretty. You've been to Nebraska. Yeah. Why were you uh, in Nebraska? Why were you? It was for softball. Oh, oh, we're oh training. Yeah. Yeah. It's a this is why I ended sure. up in Oklahoma once. Anyway, <laughs> so I've got to get to Nebraska, offered Mar. You're welcome. We'd love to have you work in the fields with us, joked Senator Sass. Work in the fields? I'm a house nigger. Oh! <laughs> and then white males everywhere just gleefully laughed. Like, what? What and then, to the groaners in the crowd, Mar asserted, it's just a joke. But Twitter um, didn't feel that way. Well, oh, like, no. Black Twitter got on this shit. It's just a joke is like the rallying cry of white males everywhere. Yeah. I just insulted you. I was just racist. But guess what? That all goes away because I just said it was. I was joking. It was just a joke. Yeah. Why are you so sensitive? Why? Snowflake, why? Because um, you call us niggers. Yeah. Okay. Well, and we, we have the clip to play. We do. And here it is. To Nebraska more. I, <laughs> you're welcome. We'd love to have you work in the fields with us. <laughs> work in the fields? That's part of that. That's <laughs> Senator. I'm a house nigger. <laughs> no, it's, it's a joke. Anyway, so, like, what, what would, pos- like, I think we all know white people shouldn't say the N-word. Yet they do. Yet they do. <sighs> Yet they do. And when they say, I'm not racist, but, or why do you call us racist, stop saying racist shit and we won't call you but racist. But also, like... And he's, this is a liberal white left, lefty, a lefty liberal, by the way. Okay. But like, it wasn't even like, he, in course, <laughs> Ben Sass was talking about come join us in the fields of Nebraska because they're fucking grow corn. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Not because you're picking cotton. Uh, like yeah. that's just, first of all, wrong because it's just 
And why would make... you automatically go there? Yeah, yeah. That's well, yeah. Yeah. I, I just when he said the fields, I thought he was talking about like you know how those like they have those scary yeah. yeah yeah those corn husks that yeah. they dress up and well, stuff. Well, the thing is, yeah, scarecrows. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? <laughs> also, I meant the corn husks. Oh, was it a scarecrow? <laughs> but anyways, like. This, the University of Nebraska, they're called the Corn Huskers. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a very weird joke to make. And, like, even in, like, Georgia or Alabama, like, I, I still, well, no matter what, it was not a good joke for a white man to make. But, like, it, why and, would you, like, play on that optics, horrific history? And the optics of it. Like, think of the optics. Two white men in positions of power... Joking about how stick, you know what I mean? Yeah. You think that's good optics, it's Billy? Just... And then Bill Maher is part of this this group of white males who want to be um, um, what's edgy, the word? edgy, mm. and they want to be line steppers, and they want they want to be provocative, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they think they're clever by delivering something that is loosely veiled in racism but they're just doing to get a rise out of people and to me that's not clever and it's not funny no it's, it's just not. it's not even smart is it like like yeah it's, I, I, it's I the just, lowest common denominator yes. it's appealing to the lowest common denominator One so that some like white guy in chicago chuckles exactly <laughs> <laughs> Those lefties are really going to be angry now. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Yeah. fuck off. <laughs> I, I wish you guys s- could see Erica's face when she does that little laugh. It's hilarious. That can go on our Instagram stories. I know. I'm a little salty today, as you can tell by my kid rant. <laughs> anyway, I mean, this isn't the first time he's been a racist, right? No. He, um, he hates Muslims. Mm-hmm. He thinks Islam is the religion of violence, but fails to acknowledge Christian terrorism. Mm-hmm. Do you know, by the way, I, so I'm writing this, this, this piece, and um, do you know that in the, in about, at about the turn of the century, World War I, uh, all the way up to, I, w- I would say, the Civil Rights Era, um, there was a time when white terrorists would lynch black people at a rate of two to five a week. Wow. A week. Wow. And that's terrorism. Oh, absolutely. But we erect statues of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then and then we say free speech when those statues are taken down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is happening all over the South right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do you want? Do you want to be right or do you want to be peaceful? You're not even right, so I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be... Do you want to be wrong, as the Guyanese would say, wrong and strong, or do you want peace? Hmm. That's the question. Yeah. That a lot of white people need to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So, speaking of free speech, let's go into Canadian politics. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, at the, the last weekend of May, um, the Conservative Party of Canada, or the CPC as we refer to them in Canada, um, elected their new leader... Uh, Andrew Scheer. Um, he is a social conservative and was previously the Speaker of the House under our previous Prime Minister, also a conservative, Stephen Harper. Um, so 
he's been in power for a week and he's been, you know, representing his party in the House of Commons. Um, but we still don't really get a, we don't 100% know how he would, what his stance is on a lot of issues. The only kind of record we have is his voting record from the House of Commons. So to date, he's kind of towed the line very heavily on social conservative issues. Um, he's voted against bills to legalize gay marriage, uh, enshrine the human rights protections for transgender people, and to allow physician-assisted dying. Um, he's also voted in favor of legislation that would redefine when during pregnancy a fetus is considered a human being and also to criminalize sex work. He has, Shear has also said that he would follow in his predecessor, Stephen Harper's footsteps, and not reopen the abortion debate, um, which was something that the Conservative Party has been their kind of talking point for at least the past 10 years, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of to the dismay of many pro-life organizations in Canada. He's also actually, um, as part of his leadership platform, committed to an annual tax deduction of $4,000 per child for parents who send their kids to quote-unquote independent schools and another $1,000 per child for those who want to homeschool their children. He has also threatened to pull federal grants from any university in Canada that do not, quote, foster a culture of free speech and inquiry. Uh, The policy that was previously on his website and has since been removed um, said specifically criticized the establishment of safe spaces, forbidden topics, and the banning of speakers and camp at on campus and at clubs. Um, and then wrote that our colleges and universities are becoming no-go zones for open dialogue. Um, he's also committed to repealing carbon pricing if elected prime minister, and has vowed to support provinces who wish to fight against the federal price on, uh, in the interim. Um, he also has committed to prioritizing quote-unquote real refugees Mm. as opposed to fake ones, I guess, Um, which means, quote, accepting people from their home countries rather than prioritizing those who have already fled, which Uh, I guess means people who are fleeing, like, Syrian conflict, going to a separate... A a refugee camp in Jordan? Going to Jordan, and then we Has he ever been to a refugee camp? I'm going to go with probably not. not. Why would you do that? Refugee, not exactly like a safe and lovely place. No, (laughs) it's horrible. And, and I'm sorry, are we, are, are, are they just supposed to sit there and wait for the white man to come get them? Like, I don't understand. Well, and like, it's just like another white guy who's like going to tell other people what real quote unquote experiences are of refugees, sexual assault victims, women, minorities, whatever. But, like, just because you've fled to a different country to avoid immediate prosecution yeah. doesn't mean you're any less... Of a real refugee. Yeah. Like real, quote-unquote. I, so... I, I just couldn't. That's the part that really... I was like, really? Really? Like, that real refugee thing? Yeah. He doesn't want to get, to get refugees from camps. Why? Because he thinks there's, they, they don't need anything? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why people who are who are risking their limbs, their lives, their lo- their families mm-hmm. are not real refugees because they managed to walk further to a camp. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's fucked up. Well, yeah, and I mean the whole list was fucked up, but that just I it just went too far. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't hold I know, it. I couldn't get it. I was that like, I'm either. gonna have to interrupt Aaron at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like basically he He's an old white guy in a young But he's white not that old, he's yeah, thirty eight. Exactly. He's like he's like a an old white guy in it. He's a, a a wolf in sheep's clothing of young white men. I feel like Stephen Harper <laughs> died somewhere and has been cryogenically like reincarnated, like, <laughs> reincarnated as Andrew Shear because he basically is. This is basically the conservative party being old mm-hmm. and being scared. They're scared of the changes around them. They're scared that the country is moving in a direction that they don't recognize. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to go with the tried and true Stephen Harper, who won election and majority in 2011. And I am tired of hearing about Stephen Harper's majority because can we can we recount how many times it took him to get there? Yeah, because nobody trusted him. So many. And then once he got there. He proved why nobody trusted him. Well, yeah. and for Andrew Shear, I think he did. He he only won by like fifty one percent, right? Yes. Like yeah. He, so I like okay, I'll like I guess I'll call that a majority, but it's not. it's a it slim majority. Close. Yeah. Yeah. So so I feel like this has not even obviously what it what I see from Shear or the election of Shear is that the party is hella divided, mm-hmm. and it's more divided than people think that it is and 2011 is not going to be 2019 right yeah. mm-hmm. you have a different opponent and as much as Justin Trudeau listen I'm no Trudeau fan you know this I really am no Trudeau fan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I'm even less of a sheer fan I could tell you that yeah uh, everyone should go to his website right now it's andrewshear.com and it doesn't have anything on it except for his great big face he has a really large face. He has a really large face. Like, uh, yeah. There's there's a hyperlink that says make a donation, and that's the only thing you can click on on the whole website. Apparently, it went <laughs> offline right after his win, so yeah. I don't even know what Yeah, the what splash page came up uh, immediately. So it's like, there's like the CN Tower and some mountains and the Sky Dome and sort of like a like a very sheer Canadian flag. And then his face layered on top of all of those other weird layers. Yeah. With with his hyperlinks going over across his Yeah, it's like they should be on the opposite side. It's really what's with these, sadly laid out. What's with these Ontario conservative, no. like Ontario-born conservative politicians? He's from Saskatchewan. No, he's, he's from Ottawa. Let's look at the article. I feel like I just yeah. saw that somewhere. He grew up in, in Saskatchewan, apparently, or... Uh, Ottawa-born and Saskatchewan transplant. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's from both. This, this, I. But there's this like. Have you ever noticed there are these Ontario right-leaning politicians who just who just run to the west, especially Alberta, mm. and mm-hmm. they adopt it as their own, and they're reborn as like these these kind of rugged, um, mm. hardworking males on the range with their little mamas, you know? Yeah. It's it's like, because if you look at Andrew Shearer's, like, website... He doesn't and, strike me as any of those things. No, but look at look at the mountains in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, that website is not optimized for mobile. No, it's not. 
Oh my god, it's not. It's like who makes websites that aren't optimized for mobile? I know. Remember Paula Which Cole? just tells you, which just proves my point. <laughs> Remember Paula Cole had that great song Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like he They're... was like, I'll just listen to the song and do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you so, go have the babies and I'll go have a beer. Can we talk about homeschooling? Well, and since I'm since I'm in this salty no filter mood, yes. I feel like I want to talk about homeschooling. Okay. Okay, let me tell you, I've met people who have been homeschooled. Uh, like, I'm sorry, they have no fucking clue. Well, I've met people who have home, been homeschooled, and they do. They do have a clue. They're functional. People. They're functional, but when I say they don't have a clue, like when I tell you narrow viewpoint, my god. Yeah. They yeah. do not know how to function outside of their own structure, their own, like, I, I have, like, when I meet homeschool people, I, I'm like, how do you, it's like they can't relate to anybody who isn't, like, preconceived as a persona in their minds. Mm. They don't know how to be fluid or engage. And we have... Yeah, I know. I'm going to be added. And I'm going to hear about how all these homes... And somebody's going to send me all these reports and blah, 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 For blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. Sure but I really do think that there's a problem with engagement in our society. And especially with young children or teenagers. Or as work gets more and more precarious, you're going to have to go out there and get it yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to engage with other humans, especially other humans who are not like you who don't move in the same circles that you do, good luck. Yeah. I mean, I think for me there's, like, there's two sort of sects of people that seem to homeschool. One is this, like, Christian Andrew Shear type who mm-hmm. want their kids to, like, not believe in evolution or science or anything. Um, and then there's, like, this other sort of, like, the anti-vaxxers and, like, sort of anti, like, alternative lifestyle kind of people who don't want their kids to feel like they have to be confined into this, like, nine-to-three school structure. So it's an interesting... This must be well-off white people. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you definitely, you have to be pretty well-off to homeschool your kid because you have to be, at least one person So we're giving rich home. people more tax breaks? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay, because that's what it comes rich down white to. People. Rich white people. So basically, Andrew Shear wants to give more rich white people more tax breaks because he's just funneling it through mm-hmm. their preferences. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how the tax structure is used to I- show preference over others. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, no, I cut you funny. off. Go no, on. No, no, no. That, that, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to offer a slightly more balanced viewpoint on the. Please do, please do. <laughs> I gave my listen. I feel like <laughs> I told y'all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I, I yeah. think there are people who do it. Well, I think anybody who does it believes they're doing it. For the okay, right so reasons. what's your experience then? To like counter I've had, mine. I've had people like... volunteer for me who have been homeschooled, and they're like lovely and normal, and I wouldn't have known that they were homeschooled. If they hadn't told me. Yeah, I think there's a different, like, in addition to the two people, the two groups that you, or two sects you said Mm -hmm. that get homeschooled, I think there's also, like, a more progressive type of person that gets homeschooled, and they use that opportunity to go and more integrate into different communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, They get to go, like, they can go learn about, you know, 
indigenous people and they can if they have something available to them they might go into that community or like yeah. engage with those leaders. But it's yeah. that what's available to them yeah. is the question and that is all determined by where you live well, and income and yeah. your parents. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it I look, I think the school system needs an overhaul, but at the same time there's a reason I mean, it's not the greatest place. I will, I will admit that. Like, yeah. I was bullied in school. Like, oh, yeah. same. You know, yeah, every, you know. I was. Um, but were you the bully? <laughs> she was the bully. I, I'm sure she was the bully. <laughs> I was the mean girl. She, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a wonderful time in high school. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why anyone's mad. Well, this is where I developed my personality. Yeah, exactly. It was in high school. And I do kind of feel like there are a lot of elements of school that are bad, but they kind of, like, we're all in it together, and you get get through it, and these are all sort of rights of And life is bad. Sorry. Yeah, you have to learn how to handle You got to learn how to take your knocks. Yeah. And... Have we see? Have we not all seen children of helicopter parents? Oh, yeah. only God knows how worse that's gonna get with well, homeschooling. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. little Timmy. What? Oh my God, Timmy. There's so many lessons to be learned on the playground. I can't even tell you. Seriously, so many life lessons mm-hmm. and social lessons. Oh yeah, to be learned on the playground. Yeah, man. I tell you, I I don't know about this homeschooling. So well, Andrew Shearer, through Andrew homeschooling. Shearer's kids are going to be homeschooled. Yeah, they are. I know well, all five they're, of them. They're in like Catholic or religious school. They're, yeah, they're in a Christian yeah. private school, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, a Christian private school for rich white people. Great. Well, that's, well, that's that $4,000 tax credit. Uh-huh. Or uh-huh. deduction. Yeah, right? yeah. No, I don't want to pay for rich white people to send their kids to school to isolate themselves from people <laughs> of color. No, I don't want to pay for that. We're also where they're not learning science. Yeah, like that's again. the other thing. They should learn science. Uh huh. Sure. How much feminism you think they're getting? Probably. <gasps> okay. <laughs> People are like Ruth in the Bible is such a feminist. Jesus was a feminist, and like maybe Jesus was a feminist, but I don't think we can only teach kids about feminism from the Bible. Like I think there needs to be some other learnings. Like there. the Haitian Revolution. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, okay. Andrew Shear is, mm. is he looks like a potato. He looks like, oh, God. He looks like one of those kids. Remember that fat kid from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Augustus Gloop. Yeah, that's what he looks like. That's what he reminds me of. And and he reminds me of the gluttony of that. I, I swear to God. I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm on it today, man. I gave you guys a disclaimer. Just remember. Uh, and I think we have an Augustus Gloop clip. Yes. Let's all revisit. Let's all revisit Augustus Gloop together. Listen to me. What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats. What are you at getting terribly fat? What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. Oompa, loompa, doompa dee da. If you're not greedy, you will go far. You will live in happiness too. Like the oompa, loompa, doompa dee doo. Doompa dee doo. Okay. 
See, isn't that Andrew Shearer? <sighs> with the, little dimples. The picture of like the kid with like all of the like chocolate all over yeah. his face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. By mm-hmm. the way, so what does this say about? Well, now we know who's running the Conservative Party. Social conservatives. Yeah. They run that party. At least they have, they're like, oh my gosh, they're like the Freedom Caucus. They're our Freedom Caucus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The problem, yeah, but yeah. the problem is, is that like, well, the social conservatives, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in other words, what that says is that they have juice in this party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got power. And if you think, if anybody thinks the conservatives are going to advance, oh, no. No, no not with this set. No. That was that was what Michael Chong was running on. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. so I remember talking about, like, ad nauseum at some point, this was my horse to ride, was the fact that I don't believe that Canada has much political talent, and I don't think... I, I think we have pol- one and two in a generation, maybe, <laughs> but we don't have much political talent. We don't have any political talent. And we don't have the infrastructure that is capable to find and groom talent that is outside of the Laurentian elite, let's say, hmm. or outside of, of, of our typical white male pool. And the reason we get duds is because of these leadership races and the fact of inter-party politics. Mm. And Michael Chong seemed reasonable to me. Like he is somebody that somebody who is under the age of 40 would, Mm -hmm. could relate to. Yeah. Even if you don't, even if you don't agree with everything, I didn't agree with everything. Sure. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, his, his balanced budget, blah, blah, blah. I don't. I don't really buy into that, but at the same time, he is somebody the conservatives could have chosen to say, okay, we hear you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we understand, and we are the type of party who will listen to you before we listen to our inner party politics. Yeah. And they didn't do that, and, um, but they don't really have to because they're still getting ra- their, their coffers are still full, and, and they're still getting 99, I think they have 99 seats in the House of Commons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my question is, do, is this the beginning of the political wilderness? Is this the beginning of them marginalizing themselves to that group that is getting older and still runs Canada, mm-hmm. but it, whose star is fading because of technology, because of the changing world around us? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I do. I do kind of wonder if Andrew Shear's social conservative conservatism appeals to millennials and younger generations. Like, I I don't know. I mean, we know that some millennials want their wives to say stay home, but like, I I don't know. I feel like a lot of that stuff just seems even pretty conservative young people believe in the refugee crisis. You know, like and climate and, and change. Climate change. Yeah, and like. You know, and like, they believe in birth control, not necessarily yeah. abortion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. But they believe in personal choice in terms of reproduction to a certain extent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Beyond the abstinence only. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, extent. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, because I heard a lot of, oh, oh, oh Justin and his selfies. Oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, what world are you living in? Mm-hmm. Look at the writing on the wall. Yeah. 
Everybody's doing stuff. Everybody's doing it. It's like a thing <laughs> that people do. They gave, they gave it a name. Yeah, they gave it a name. <laughs> yeah. They also gave it a TV show. Uh, and an emoji. <laughs> is there a selfie TV show? There's yeah. a selfie TV show? What is it? Uh, I think it's called Selfie. Oh. Oh, my God. How do you? Like, I... I want to watch it and, like, be on it. Um, You know what really pissed conservatives off this week in Ontario? The minimum Uh, wage? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. So I posted this on my Facebook wall. What? The comments. It was lit. It was lit. Yeah, it was lit. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for your comments. I really, really do appreciate it because it helps to inform me for this broadcast. And so I took that, and I just want to say that on the minimum wage, I talked to, like, a, an ex-colleague um, mm-hmm. of mine, an economist who's, whose analysis I trust. Yeah. And so he gave me a bit of, like, a big picture. Okay, cool. So I will be cool. save, passing that on. But go ahead. So um, Ontario uh, is currently run by a liberal government, and the premier, Kathleen Wynne, announced a plan to increase the provincial minimum wage to $15 by January 1st, 2019, the minimum wage currently is $11.40 per hour, and this increase will be phased in over the next 18 months, with the wage increasing to $14 an hour next January, which is, like, super soon. Mm-hmm. That is really soon. Um, because the minimum wage is actually raising from 11.40 to 11.60 in October. Mm-hmm. So it's going up, like, $2.40 in, like, two months. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyways, That's bad policy, in my opinion. But I agree. Anyway. I agree. Um, in addition to the minimum wage increase, she also announced a whole bunch of other labor um, policies, which include equal pay would be mandated for part-time workers doing the same job as full-time workers. Um, after five years with the same employer, the minimum vacation entitlement for workers would raise to three weeks per year. Employers would be required to pay a worker three hours of wages if the employer cancels a shift with less than 24 eight, sorry, 48 hours notice, Mm -hmm. 24 eight. (laughs) Okay. Um, And finally, all workers would be given 10 personal emergency leave days a year and a minimum of two of those days must be paid. Hmm. Um, So this is interesting for two reasons. Uh, They come in the wake of a report on precarious work that provided 173 recommendations to the government. And also, 2018 is a provincial election year. So Mm. this is part of the Liberals' re-election strategy. um, And therefore, the the final dollar raise wouldn't happen if the Liberals aren't re-elected. So it'll definitely get to the $14, but then if Let's say a conservative government wins the election, then that it'll just stay at fourteen. It won't get that extra. They could change the policy, right? Yeah, this was like an interesting debate for me. Like I, I think especially in Ontario, where like so many people live in Toronto, um, and anything in the GTA is so expensive. Like I think fifteen dollars an hour sounds like a good fair minimum wage. Yeah, um, but it does also seem like small business owners. Like, that was where a lot of the outcry was. Yes. They were like, how are we going to afford this? Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. So, like, like Erica pointed out, you know, the, such 
the minimum wage is, is being raised on something like 32% over like 18 months, mm-hmm. which is insane. Yeah. Like, I think, I don't disagree that $15 an hour is a reasonable minimum wage, but I disagree with the time frame in which it's being done. Mm-hmm. What's the time frame? 18 months. 18 months. And that puts us into November-ish? 2019. Oh, 18 months from now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't that put us into... January 1st. Oh, January. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. So, and when's the provincial election? 2018. Oh, that's why. <laughs> that, well, what else? Like, I... Listen, I knew Kathleen Wynne was on the... Um, the re-election. Yeah, she's on She's on re-election mode, so she's giving away shit. Sure. You know? I mean, I it's, it's just very transparent. I'm not really in... You know what? If Kathleen Wynne really wanted to help poor people, what about the electricity rates? Yeah. Yeah, well, I saw that point made online, too. Like, for me, the electric... Like, we have to move away from coal. Like, we... You know what I mean? Like, Are I, we still I, doing not, that? I'm not so <laughs> mad about the hydro rates. Like, I know it's exorbitant. But, like, I believe in why we're doing it. Right. You know? Um... And I believe in, in $15 an hour for minimum wage workers. And I, and I think that even beyond that, like the personal days off and, and being able to get those things, especially like if you were like a young single mom and you had a job like at a Harvey's or something like that, being able to take 10 days of emergency leave, even if they're not all paid yeah. without losing your job, I think is really important although I do think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in practice like Mm -hmm. if your boss is a misogynist and you have to call in sick to work sometimes because your kid is sick maybe you can't now get fired for calling in sick sick. yeah exactly maybe you can't get fired for calling in sick all the time but will they be looking for other ways to fire you or push you out Mm -hmm. you know so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in policy or like in practice not in policy I found um I found the the wage increase the least interesting part i i thought that those mm-hmm. those types of exactly what you're talking about those types of um leave policies and stuff like that which in itself adds to the cost of the package right sure and it's funny because like that's the one thing that much of the discussion has been hinging on is like oh well all of these small businesses they're gonna mm-hmm. like have to close or raise their prices or all of these things um but there no one's really or very few people are talking about the other parts mm-hmm. of the policy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, all of these things, you know, disproportionately affect women, people of color, and young people. Yeah. And they particularly affect those who have precarious employment. Yeah. But yeah. everybody's employment is becoming more precarious, and I think that that's what they're trying to, again, smoothing out that income or smoothing out that so that you can smooth out that consumption. Yeah. If you can't if you don't have a steady job, you can't plan to buy a house. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so which affects our economy. Which of Oh, it's so wow. Yeah. How much yeah. of our economy is real estate? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um I think that more I'm going to say this more than any other party, the Liberals have really both the federal 
and provincial liberals have actually thought about this, mm-hmm. or it seems like they thought about it. I was listening to the NDP debate last week. Don't ask me why. I don't know why <laughs> Why I fell into this debate in Sudbury. Sudbury. Imagine what that stage looked like. Ooh. Anyway, I thought that I thought that nobody got it. Maybe yeah. Jagmeet got it a little bit. Yeah. But I thought that nobody got it. These, these, you had these old, like, you could tell they're like seven from like the 70s labor mm-hmm. bosses. Mm-hmm. The nickel and, mines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the nickel mines, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we need to, they're, they're proposing policies for a 20th century work yeah. that doesn't exist anymore. And they're like, we need to bring that back. And I'm just like, and I'm thinking you're just as bad as Trump. Because you're trying to sell people something that's never going to happen. And so let's talk about what actually is on the table and where things are going. So in that sense, I really, really like the changes to leave Mm -hmm. to sort of like this insurance policy. I don't know how well people who are in precarious work are going to be able to have those enforced because that's another story. Mm-hmm. But that's more, to me, that's more important than a wage increase. That only followed Alberta, by the way. Alberta yeah. increased their minimum wage to $15 an hour yeah. in you're, September 6, 2016. You're proud of Alberta. I Yo, <laughs> Alberta, it's amazing to me how progressive, how much Alberta gets a bad rap. But it really is a lot more progressive than people give it credit for, whereas Ontario is a lot less in mm-hmm. practice, but it gets all this hype. Mm-hmm. Well, and BC needs to fucking raise their minimum wage. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about BC. Any province that has a housing market like Vancouver yeah. or Toronto needs to, like, I almost feel like there should be, like, a prorated minimum wage for housing markets in the cities. Yeah, so... I, I totally agree with that. And I think part of the, one of the criticisms of this, the raising the minimum wage is that people who live in rural areas are going to be earning the same minimum yes. wage as people, people living in, in Toronto. Yes. Which is not, not no. I don't, uh-uh. I think it should be based uh-huh. on the cost of living. Yes. Yeah. And that so why, be, why don't we do that? Why do we I have don't. these, these broad based policies? I don't know. But it, that seems to me, well, and you would know better than me about this, but like that seems like it would be such a complex thing to try to figure out. The minimum wage is complex. Yeah, at the end but, of and the like trying to prorate it for each city, like how well, do you, yeah, where, but how do you define the? I guess you could do it by ridings, but like Ottawa as a riding has rural. But how do they do it with with downtown. with um, the military? I didn't know they did it. With yeah, the they do. They they well, they did. Mm-hmm. I, I I think they might have phased that out, but but you got you got an extra bump mm-hmm. if you lived in a certain area. Well, it's that... like if you move to the north, you get a northern bonus yeah. for moving yeah, and living there and yeah. like having to keep up with the cost of living in the north. So, But I that's mean, more definitely... of an incentive. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, the cost of living in the north is astronomically yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So, I mean, it is doable. I think it would just require like... More thinking heads, yeah. And not just, you know... What, you know, yeah. people who just think linearly. Mm-hmm. Oh, people who think dynamically, more thinkers. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, anyway. But there are good health, I think there's health benefits to this too in yes. terms of just like, like living on the edge, paycheck to paycheck, struggling day to day to like 
eat and live and be warm and safe and sheltered, I think that that has a, that takes a toll on our health too, right? So, of course it does. You know, being able to just like have those couple of dollars extra more an hour is like, especially since we're like you said, so much work is precarious now. The government has to pick up the slack where we used to all be in jobs forever and have pensions and benefits. Good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. point because. I think that that's what's underlying that's missing in these conversations Mm -hmm. is that when the social contract ended, government has to pick up the Mm -hmm. slack. Mm -hmm. So anytime you have... um, so when you're thinking about about corporate policies and and corporate tax breaks and so on like and so on and so forth mm-hmm. just remember that when corporate recedes in terms of what they offer workers the government has to pick up the slack and that comes from your tax dollars so you're paying for it either way yeah exactly mm-hmm. um because at the end of the day you can't have no matter what some people think, and I've heard some really callous um, justifications for mm-hmm. not um, increasing the minimum wage, uh, you know, that, that you know, what's the hyperbole that, that businesses are going to dry up and, and mm-hmm. move? And mm-hmm. I'm like, where are they going to move to? Yeah. Um, if you have, uh, to be honest, the minimum wage... Um, affects those independent businesses way more than they would affect Kelsey's. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, like, so many people paying minimum wage are, like, Tim Hortons, parties, Burger King. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Hortons can afford a $15 minimum wage. But can can the small local businesses, and this is what I'm saying, is that broad-based policy is not necessarily good policy. Yeah. Yeah. Because... What should have happened is it should have had a different timetable for small businesses, mm. for example. So yeah. maybe it doesn't go into effect until 2021, for right. example. So right, two right, more right. years so that they can actually ramp up the business. Right. Or you know like what I mean? Incrementally increase their prices or over time. Or incrementally increase the yeah. prices over time. Not so that it can fit. Kathleen Wynne's re-election scan, um, schedule, Schedule. right? Scandal. (laughs) There probably will be one of those. (laughs) Anyway, um, I, so my, I do feel, and, and, and on the, the callousness goes both ways actually, because I've heard people say, well, well, then you shouldn't be in business if you can't afford a $15 minimum wage. No business starts out like that. Yeah, exactly. No. Okay. No business starts out as a success. Yeah. Nope. Okay, yeah. you are losing money hand and fist for the first seven years. For sure. So I really do think that small businesses get the shaft yeah. in this. But, okay, and then my economic side. So that's my small business side. <laughs> so now my economic side. Okay. So people who's, and I'm going to introduce some terms, what they call the marginal product of labor. Oh. So for wow. for every... Um, labor units. So let's say, let's take hour of work, yeah. right? Um, it's the rate or it's, it's the rate at which you increase output, right? Okay. So the marginal product of labor is, an, is important because if it's less than the actual price of labor, it becomes too expensive mm. to hire that extra person, let's say. 
Um, for people whose labor output is that, so you're looking at the lowest labor rungs. So the people who work at like as greeters, for example, at Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. They're always going to be they they have the least amount of power in bargaining power, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why we have unions, right? And unions. A unionized environment doesn't really have to worry about minimum wage because it's always going to be above the minimum wage right. because of that bargaining power. Right. So it's amazing to me that the same people who will who will decry poverty will look at unions and tell you they don't need it. Yeah, yeah. you do because you yeah. have no power otherwise. Yeah. The people whose marginal product of labor is greater than the price of labor usually get to so they're producing more output per unit than it costs to employ them let's say okay so they get to keep more of those that those gains those economic gains you're looking at yeah wow i don't get it (laughs) (laughs) i was like this is a fabulous economics lesson we should charge for this episode (laughs) i'm just kidding I'm not. (laughs) I'm like missing the point on like equity. Okay, what don't you get? All of it. Math, economics. Uh, Okay. What I'm trying to say is that that, um, the decisions of inputs usually lie on the margin, right? Do I need that extra worker? Do I need that extra um, piece of equipment? So, for example, I'm like, do I need a digital camera? Mm. For example, so mm-hmm. that those decisions on the margin are very, very important in a small business, more so than they are in like a larger business. Mm. So, for example, if I have if I'm a restaurant and I have like I want to hire a hostess because all of a sudden I see more foot traffic coming in. Mm-hmm. That's where um, those decisions on the margin are made. Right. And so the decision becomes, okay, if I if I get this hostess, maybe I get her in for once a week, six hours a day um, to actually organize this this foot traffic. Will it pay off for me? So will I get people who are happier with their table? Will they give me better reviews? Will I will it lead to more traffic? So it's like a cost will I, benefit analysis. It's a cost benefit analysis all the time mm-hmm. where and I think that's as as a small business owner and speaking for other small business owners especially those who have written on my page I get it mm. on the other hand you have people who are in precarious work as we're talking and don't forget I just want to bring both sides of this together and just say that people the poorest people spend all of their money, and they spend a lot of it on consumer goods, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on rent, yeah. on food. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they consume more because they can't save as much, yeah. right. right? So in a way, increasing their purchasing power helps, balances that too. Mm-hmm. It helps the economy yeah. mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... It's like now how large what the offset is and and what wins out, that is an economic question. 
Right. And that's a question that has that should be answered, to be honest. We should actually know this. If anybody knows, um, at me. But those are the two sides of, I think, this debate. And then we have this historical sort of of corporate pulling back on benefits and government having to step in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And unions. Yeah. Unions. And why they matter. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> okay. For now. We'll offer a Skillshare course on minor economics. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about Trump. Uh, well, we all know that this week Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Climate Agreement, where literally every country, including North Korea, has agreed to the terms. Uh, the only holdouts were Syria and Nicaragua, who actually wanted the agreement to go further. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah Nicaragua much, didn't, didn't they were like, feel it. Fuck when... you guys, we want to do more. Yeah, Which... because they have landslides. Sure. But like, <laughs> you know? I also th- think that like, there's nothing like signing on to the agreement doesn't require doesn't mean that you can only do those things. You yeah, can I still know. Do more. I know. I know. But I digress. Anyway, anyways, <laughs> we uh, won't get into Nicaraguan politics. Yeah. So like, obviously, there are tons of things that are wrong with this whole thing. But I think what's particularly interesting is that one of the communities that are particularly at risk by climate change are Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, in Alaska uh, and indigenous communities in the north, they're, like, like the, the ice caps are melting yeah. and water levels are rising and they are losing out on culture and tradition because sea life is dying, they can't mm-hmm. hunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're, like, how they live yeah. is fundamentally changing. They're like, Watching their community collapse yeah. around them. And then you have other communities um, that are kind of more central, particularly in British Columbia, where they are kind of more in the mountains a little bit. Um, they're at risk for natural disasters, you know, floods, wildfires, which run rampant in BC and Alberta. Um, and mm-hmm. that just, the risk is just so much greater. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then if you even look outside of Canada, like the you know, Central America. And yep. Like, there's so, like, I, uh, climate change is real. <laughs> Can we just, like, why aren't we all just starting from this one place? Well, that's what, like, the world is saying. That's what the Paris Agreement says. Even climate- North Korea is like, okay, we're, we're with you on this one. Yeah. I'm like, that's... And Russia. That is just so <laughs> friggin' random. I know. That is just the most random... <laughs> North Korea. I wow. mean, like... Like yeah, when you're when the when when you're on the wrong side of like where North Korea is on the spectrum that's like of the things. yeah that's <laughs> like the baseline. Where's North Korea on this issue? Like we should be at least where North Korea is or better. You know, like, I feel like that's, yeah, that's um, yeah, that, and that's low hanging fruit. Like yeah. that's like fruit on the ground. Yeah, it already <laughs> fell. Well, and like I know it's ripening. <laughs> pick it up yes it's literally. like peeled for you yes because <laughs> that's how ripe it is it's like a whole foods orange that's been peeled and put in a plastic packet for you <laughs> food porn hashtag food porn um well and i know like even as an extension of indigenous communities oxfam has done a lot of research on this that climate change uh affects women more mm-hmm. too right? particularly like, in developing nations yeah exactly so because they're the ones who are doing a lot of the labor, like going to fetch water. Yeah. 
I got to say, when I was reading the article you cited, I was like, what the hell are the men doing? I'm like, all the women are fetching water, they're washing clothes, they're, yeah. they're taking over, yo. Honestly, to be honest, what I found very interesting is that due to climate change and due, it has increased a lot of women's participation in their communities and they're becoming more politically active, yeah. which is, is the silver lining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go Yeah, on. and I think that part of that problem is that like people like oh well like climate change like in North American kind of middle class context like we're just like oh climate change doesn't affect me directly but I believe in it I believe in saving the planet we just have a difficulty like viewing the life of like someone in a developing nation and how they have to go Mm -hmm. fetch water they have to you know do uh clean their clothes and they Mm -hmm. have to like walk further to get that water in much more oppressive temperatures Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. it's and droughts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and feed breastfeed. And breast Yeah. There you go. Breast you know. milk. They have to be nourished. And like they're yeah. the women and girls and children other children. Other children. Boys. <laughs> children in general. <laughs> Not other are the, children are the ones that you see who at are the bus stop. Forfeiting their food first. You know, yeah. they're gonna let yeah. the men eat because those are the types of cultures they live in. Yeah. Yeah. What are the men doing? Because when I read that, I was like, where are they? If they're not fetching water, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Going to work? Where? I don't know. Where? I don't know. Better be in that field. Loitering. <laughs> they're loitering. They're corn huskers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like. it's just, I don't know. Though I, I can't understand why... Is he going to do anything? Like, are they, instead of the Paris, or are they just like, he we're keeps, fucking out? Well, he kept saying that, oh, we believe in clean water, we believe in clean air, and da-da-da-da, blah, 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 but like, reducing air pollution. But like, he not only is making cuts to the EPA, he's also like, rolled back legislation, or um, regulations regarding clean water and pollution. Yeah. So, so I would just like to cut in and just say um, congratulations to Donald Trump, who's doing exactly what he said he would. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean, yeah. So no, we're not. I mean, no one's You gotta that. say like, he's not. <laughs> he's not pretending. He didn't pretend. Sure. Yeah. Like, like I don't know. Like the the number of people who don't believe in climate change. It's just so, so small. So, like, it's just a decision to, like, feed a very small portion of the population. Yeah. But I believe this is... Okay. Erin, uh, I think you and you... Somebody, one of you, included an article to do at the, in The Guardian. Yeah. Yeah. And The Guardian article has to do with the climate change becoming, like the um this it's very elitist it's elitist yeah because we see that you know elon musk Mm, and leonardo dicaprio and al gore they're all the advocates that we don't we just think it's so out of reach i just i think climate change has always had um a pr problem yes yeah because you would think that like if you look at I, we, this is why PR is important, by the way. Yeah, we, yeah. we know that climate change affects people living in poverty disproportionately more. Yeah. So even if you're, like, whether you're in a developing nation or whether you're in, you know, the southern U.S. or something, like, like, surely there are people on the ground in, like, 
poor communities in the U.S. who experience climate change every single day. You know, um, like, but they just don't know. Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They just don't know that that's what it is. That's yeah. the problem. The, I, I also think that the problem... There are many issues that seem to get caught in this this idea of the liberal bubble and you know lefty politics and mm-hmm. so on and so mm-hmm. forth when they just are. Yeah. And this is how um certain issues have become co-opted to mean certain things. Climate change is a great example. It does have a PR problem. I kind of don't care what Leonardo DiCaprio has to say. I don't. He's really. not live. He's no. not living my life. Yeah, and he can't. He can't sit there on one side talk about climate change and then on the other side treat women like they're disposable razors. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even here for it. Okay, so fuck him. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. Thank you. Yeah, um, I told you. I gave you guys a disclaimer. Um, Al Gore, really. Really, Al Gore? Al Gore has this much fight for climate change, yet didn't have that much fight for his own fucking election? No. Um, And who else? Elon Musk, who treats his workers like crap? Okay. No. That's climate change's PR problem. Yeah. It's elitist. It is... It is very much far from the average. There's, these people have climate change, climate change, climate change, climate change. Where are the workable solutions? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why kids should learn science in school. You think? <laughs> yep. Oh, science is a must. I just don't want to be lectured by fucking Leonardo DiCaprio or Elon Musk or Bill Maher. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. For, for who, and they're all problematic is my point. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I too don't like, like, I never thought I'd say this, but like a Trump supporter, I don't like to get lectured by uptight elites or upper class yeah, elites yeah, either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that does not, it's not an elitist problem. No. It's, it's a poor problem too. Yeah. So it, like you said, it dispropor- disproportionately affects poor communities. Yeah. It disproportionately affects communities without infrastructure. Yeah. And, and women and people of color and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So Trump has not yet appointed anyone to lead FEMA. What's FEMA? The Federal Emergency Management. Really? Yeah. And it's summer? It's summer. It is hurricane season. Oh, for fuck's sake. And there's no one there to lead the way. Fuck. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, um, so when those, um, considering that 2016 was the hottest on record, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, and 2017 looks like it's it's, you know, it's well, it, DC didn't have winter, basically, yeah. and we didn't have much of a winter either. This was supposed to be a harsh winter mm-hmm. this year, yeah, according to the Farmers well, Almanac, and, like, and it the, wasn't. Does, aren't like half the Florida Keys just like disappearing? Like they're just like Mar-a-Lago will be underwater. Yeah, like yeah. literally, and like, anybody who who buys like beachfront property is an idiot. Well, California's going to just fall off well, the continent. That's <laughs> They're also going to secede the country, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe they should just revert back to Mexico. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what else? What we got? Um, well, if that wraps that's... up uh, Trump and the Paris Agreement, then we're on to rent and receipts. Oh, before we wrap up the Paris Agreement, I have a question. Yeah. What do you guys think of the argument that says that 
India and China are getting a pass while the rest of us have to. People are so mad about India and China. They're like, well, they're the ones smoking all the carbon. Like, and like, so why should I have to change my lifestyle if it's, you know, if it's because there's like a billion people in China or whatever. Like, I, you hear that with the Trump we, people all the time. Yes. But you like, know? Western countries already had their chance. We had an industrial revolution. Yeah, exactly. We didn't get with the fucking program because we want to homeschool our kids. <laughs> we want to teach them science. You know? <laughs> Maybe maybe Andrew Shearer's children will head up all of those agencies in the future. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know enough about the situation to say like if whether or not India and China are getting a pass. But I do feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of racism there when people talk about it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So I just thought I'd bring that up. All right. So next. <laughs> Rolling, rolling. <laughs> wow. Who introduced this? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right, now on to our next segment, Rent and Receipts, where we each bring a story for the others and share it with them, and then we all bitch about it for a little bit. Yeah, it's like a, a storytelling circle. <laughs> oh, how inclusive. <laughs> how intersectional. Uh, Bailey, do you want to start? I really like this one. Sure. Um, So I picked Carla Homolka being a soccer mom. I I really was wondering. Like, I saw this all week. And I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if. Because I knew I wasn't going to use it for rent to receipts. I was like, this is so not me. This was. Yeah. Like, I picked this as my rent to receipts because this really challenged me and everything that I thought I believed about tell us how um so as you guys know my background is working with criminalized women um and I am a prison abolitionist I don't think prisons work I don't think jails work I don't think we should keep people in cages like I really don't believe in in that as like I believe in community program to rehabilitate community programming to rehabilitate people I believe, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I would say that, like, I think that there, I listen to a lot of serial killer podcasts, (laughs) so I feel like there's some people who you can't rehabilitate. Yeah, and, like, so when you look at studies, child molesters tend to be the poorest um, rehabilitation rate. Like, it doesn't doesn't seem like we can do anything. They have high recidivism rates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so anyway, except for, like, if you chemically castrate them, which is, like pretty pretty medieval (laughs) um so anyway uh all that to say I I really do believe in the need for when offenders are released from prison we have to reintegrate them into our communities there has to be opportunities for them for employment and for community participation and leadership absolutely you know like I really strongly believe in these things uh, but when I saw that Carla Homolka was volunteering at a school, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, how did that happen? Um, so which province is this? It's, uh, I think it's Ontario. It was Ontario. Okay. Ontario. Kathleen yeah. Wynn. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. She's Is it federal or is it the, a provincial? The, the school? No, like her, her where they placed her. Oh, or they didn't did, place her. Oh, this she is, just volunteered. Done. So yeah. okay. she has served her sentence. I she's, think she she's, got an 11-year sentence. Yeah, she came out in 2014-ish. Yeah, she's been out for a long time. She was living in Montreal. She's married. She's, like, 
a new person. Yeah. She's so there were a few stories when she first got released and like, I yeah. just got an idea. What? The reformed white woman. Oh. Oh. How white women can change their past, marry up, and forget about the rest. Well, you know, like, I I think offenders, when women leave prison, they should be able to do that. Like, I, I believe in that. Yeah, but it only happens for white women. Yeah, and I mean... I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay, anyway, the, that's the an whole, aside. The whole stuff around the Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo, just for background for anybody that's not Canadian, they were like this serial killing couple in the 90s. They killed three killed and sexually assaulted mm-hmm. together three girls including Carla Homolka's sister starting with her sister yeah starting with her sister and then uh, her biological sister yes yeah holy because fuck. she she he was like he was kind of abducted like her. kind of like a sex addict or like yeah ish yeah and he wanted to like she wanted to please him so she was like oh well he obviously finds her attractive yeah so I'll offer her to him right yeah she and was then a, an offering they which is strangled gross. her so, anyway, it's truly awful. The the Homolka Bernardo cases are are. are it's really it reminds it's, me of Natural Born Killers. You remember that movie? I never saw that movie. Really? I don't. Same. This is the story of my life. I've never seen a yeah. movie. Um, really? Neither of you? No. And like my boyfriend's just like a big movie person. And I'm like, oh, I watch more TV. Yeah, me too. I watch a lot it's more TV. because I can consume it and l- l- pay exactly. less attention. Exactly. Anyway, so they were like called the Canon Barbie killers. There was a lot of sexism around it anyway because Carla Homolka was young and attractive and blonde and a, a white woman. So she was kind of sexualized in a way in a lot of it. And I think um, – anyway, this article. So so the, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. The – the school that she's volunteering at is not actually a public school because in a public school you'd have to pass a criminal record check for the vulnerable oh. sector. It's a, it's a private Christian school that she's volunteering oh. at. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would get like where the parents would get $4,000 for managed <laughs> yes, share? Yes, oh, yes, yes. Okay. And to have Carla Homolka look after their children yes, just gets better. Yes. Okay. And the school was well aware of her background. They know who <laughs> she is. <laughs> I'm sorry, What? What? Erica's just choking her coffee. I am. I went down to, I, 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 what? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. So they, they I'm, know who she is. Like no, they, no, 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 no. Like they know who she is. Yeah. Like and, she's like. And the school says they believe in her capacity to rehabilitate. Wow. Yeah. So the article, though, that I brought for my rent and receipts, as I, and I'm sorry, it's a Toronto Star article. And I know that we had a moratorium on Toronto Star articles. No, they're doing their own moratorium, so it's lifted okay. for now until they do something else that's bullshit. Yeah, but this article was called Carla Homolka Should Be Hounded for the Rest of Her Life. And yeah, like I said, so I, I picked it because I had this totally visceral reaction about the idea of her volunteering at a school but then I was like but I believe in these things and I and I don't believe she should be hounded for the rest of her life like I I do believe that she should be able to go on and do other things so it's just really hard it's it's a hard balance for me to strike in this case like I don't know I don't know let me just I just want to put out there how how lovely and how easy it is for Carla Homolka to just get a new identity and pretend like nothing ever happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. and only white women can do that. Mm-hmm. It is it's it's true. Like they are the only ones who can do it because we still have this idea of Carla Homolka. Some of us, not me, as 
this poor woman who got taken advantage of by Paul Bernardo. Yeah. And whether or not that's true, I don't know. Well, I don't know. In the article, the, the Rosie DeMano, the author, says that. Like, she says that she thinks Carla Homolka faked that domestic abuse and power and control situation with Paul Bernardo to get a lighter sentence, a more lenient sentence. Um, she wouldn't be the first. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I believe but that I don't she know. faked it. Like, obviously, Paul Bernardo was a, a sick, sadistic rapist. Yeah, and his manipulative ca- capabilities go far beyond anything that would register as normal. Yeah. yeah. So the idea that he did manipulate her is quite, it's quite fair. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't look at her at 36 or 46, however old she is, yeah. and judge her, her... Through those eyes. Yeah. You and know I, what I mean? I also think, like, the, and the other thing that I had a real issue with in this article is that she kept talking about, like, oh, this must just, like, kill Paul Bernardo, that his, like, partner in crime is out just, like, living her life in the world. And he's, like, he's in Millhaven for life. He'll never, mm-hmm. he'll never get out. Um, although he is up for parole in 2018. Excuse, what? Mm-hmm. He, That's, like, uh, the conditions. Life, That's the conditions. A life sentence is only 25 years. So, yeah, but. And this happened in the 90s. So he okay. served his 25 years. Fuck, I'm old. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, he he is he's eligible for parole and like so was Carla Homolka, but she opted not to be released into the community. She served her full sentence in jail. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway, um, so the, yeah, Rosie DeMano's like, oh, he it must just like kill him that he has to live in the you know prison or whatever. And Carla Homolka's out there living her life. And I don't know. I think we can talk about Carla Homolka without. We probably can't talk about Carla Homolka without talking about Paul Bernardo, but I don't think she needs to still be, like, a pawn in his, like, life and incarceration. I don't know. It's a really – my rent and receipts does not have – this is, like, the serial of rent and receipts. Well, I don't a, have an answer. She's a good – well, no, but she's a good example of how her entire identity or her – what she's famous for is so linked up mm-hmm. within the identity of a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, okay, she's an extreme case of Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. But when I'm looking at people's, if you want to, because I, you know, like we had this big thing about feminism, keeping receipts and stuff. Mm -hmm. I think one of the ways um, to not judge, but to ascertain whether or not somebody's being real about it is how much their identity is wrapped up in a man, whether it's a man of the day Mm -hmm. or men in general, or if they need to seek permission um, in some way, shape or form. I'm getting a little off topic here, but I agree with you in the sense that Carla Homolka has served her sentence. She Mm -hmm. served her full Mm -hmm. term. Mm -hmm. She deserves to be... um, to go and live a life. To go and live a life quiet in the whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I got to ask about this school. Yeah, I know. Who the hell are. is running this school? And when yeah. I heard that she's married you know with children, which, I was Does like, it say which school? Children. Uh, yeah, it's the Seventh-day Adventist uh, church in the, the like GTA or something. Okay, I don't know. so they oh, don't okay. allow you to wear jewelry. But they'll put a serial killer to hang out with your kids. Like I don't understand that. Yeah, it's a it's a weird logic. I, I and I feel like they may be operating under the assumption that like 
you know, Jesus forgave people and he had a lot mm-hmm. of humility. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a fool about it, was he? I'm I mean, sorry, we, I don't know. Like, I'm, well, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I don't. Maybe. I doubt it, okay? Like, I'm just saying well, I that Well, I mean, really Judas, so. I'm just saying that, that. That's that, all my Bible knowledge. That, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the private Seventh-day Adventist Greaves Academy. And I bet you that you are paying the hell out of the privilege of Carla Moltka, sex offender, taking care of your kids. Yeah. Well, it's also where her kids go. So. Oh. Who the fuck does she marry? I don't know. I, I mean, I, okay. I get that she married oh, somebody, no. but that they had kids with her is pretty. Wow. Wow. I don't know. I mean, if you believe that she was just manipulated women, by. Boy. Damn. <laughs> if you Y'all believe... got the hustle on lock. <laughs> If you believe that she was just manipulated by Paul Bernardo and having extricated him from her life, uh, then that she's rehabilitated, then why wouldn't you have kids with her and let her volunteer at a school? And I don't know. Because I'm not an idiot. <laughs> you know? Right. I think I was talking about the royal. I know. I know. I know. I... <laughs> anyway. Um, Erica. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Erica. Okay. I know you have something really uplifting for us today yeah in other words depressing (laughs) um so naturally i talk about black people and (laughs) (laughs) and but i i really so i received and people send me articles and this one really caught my eye, especially for this episode, because we're doing a very politically heavy episode. Mm-hmm. And this, My Rent and Receipts, is about black voters. Black voters aren't turning out for the post-Obama Democratic Party. I think mm-hmm. this is a really, really important article. And it tells you why black votes are bloody important and tells black people why black votes are bloody important, too just in case you didn't know. Now, um, on April 6th, I believe, um, Georgia's 6th Congressional District mm-hmm. um, had a special election. Uh, the special election's coming up in June. Oh, they had a in runoff June. or yeah, something. Yeah, the runoff. Like. The yeah. runoff was April 6th, and June is the actual election. Yeah. So apparently the runoff, the results of the runoff proved interesting and important and happy and good for Democrats. So the Democratic turnout went up. Um, John Ossoff, Ossoff. Ossoff, the Democrat who advanced to this month's runoff, almost cracked 50% of the vote in a district that's nearly 10 percentage points more Republican than the nation as a whole. Yeah, so basically what happened in that runoff was that he was running against a series of other Democratic candidates um, and if he had actually gotten, like, the most votes out of, like, both the Republican and the Democratic candidates, then he would have won the seat and they would have not had to have the special election coming okay. up. Okay, so the Republican nominee, whoever that is, mm-hmm. is not, uh, seems to have fallen a little, let's say. Yeah. In, a, in a heavily Republican district. Yeah, he's at, John Ossoff, as of today, mm-hmm. is actually up by a couple percentage points. Ooh, well, hmm. go on, John. Anyway, um, 
elections, so elections are primarily decided by two factors, who turns out and which candidate and who they vote for. So basically, you have to be there to make your vote count, mm-hmm. obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the Democrats, African-American votes have, um, is down. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a, continu- it's a trend continuing from 2016. So in 2016, turnout amongst whites was up across the country and in highly educated areas like the 6th District in the suburbs of Atlanta. This rebounded to the Democrats' advantage because the Democrats will usually take white college-educated, the that sort of cohort, or demographic, sorry, not cohort, Um, at the same time, black turnout was down from 66% in 2012 to 59% in 2016. This black white turnout gap continued in the first round of the Georgia special election where Democrats got impressive turnout levels from all races and ethnicities except African-Americans. Now people are, so I can hear it now. People are going to be like, but the Latino population, it's growing. It's heavily Democrat. Yeah, sort of. Mm. It's mostly Democrat, yeah. but not heavily Democrat. Yeah. Black voters are heavily Democrat. Mm. So when black voters turn up, they're voting in blocks, in large margins, mm-hmm. 90-something percent to single digits Democrat. So the fact is, if they don't show up, then you're losing a huge vote. Hmm. Yeah. So basically, the key to Trump's success, for example, with groups like the white working class, was not that he got way more of them to the polls than Romney did, but he got a much higher share of their votes. So for example, Trump carried a greater share of the white vote, the Mm -hmm. white male vote, Mm -hmm. than Romney did, right? Romney Romney or Clinton? Romney. Romney. Romney in 2012. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's just that black people didn't, black males didn't show up for Clinton. Right, 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 right. Which Which. I will get to. Anyway, so um, what this is saying basically is that, like, even if you bring out more Latinos, You'd have to convert more of them than you would African-Americans to get the same um, sizable vote, voting block Mm -hmm. for Democrats. So that's why the black vote is so important. Right. So So why aren't they showing up? So. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I'm worried about this response. Well, it's one it's it's one I I'm not necessarily I get it. Let's put it this way. Yeah. Um, so, um, num, 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 num. so African Americans are still the most electorally influential non-white group. Okay, great. So basically, African, as I said, African American men did not show up for Clinton. Mm-hmm. African American women did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the low-hanging fruit answer would be, well, you don't expect black people to show up 
for other Democrats like they did for Obama being the first black president, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. fine. Even if that were true, if the black vote returns to pre-post-Obama level, pre-Obama levels, they're in in trouble. The point is, is that they haven't been able to to sustain the momentum. So was it Obama that was bringing them out? Mm, Nobody knows for sure. What do you think? Okay, this is what I I think. I think it's, I think, so just quickly, like, I think it's too early to tell because we only had one post-Obama election. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it just goes to show that black, black voters need to be courted. Sure. And no, not sure, because the Democrats don't necessarily seem to think so. The Democrats take the black vote for granted. granted. Yeah. Mm. And black people and and the prevailing notion is in elite circles, whether you're liberal or you're white. OK. Or, or <laughs> whether you're liberal or right. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Right. way mm-hmm. Is that is that uh, what well, where, where else could they go? <laughs> yeah. It, they treat black voters like we're stuck. That's true. Okay, like they we have no other choice but to be Democrats and my and black voters just just proved no, we can stay the fuck home Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. screw up your electoral votes and good on them. And I say good on them because this usually I'm a proponent of voting. I really do believe in the vote. I believe that our ancestors fought and died for it. We Mm -hmm. need to use it. However. It seems like there's another way out to prove a point. There's a reason black men did not show up for Hillary Clinton. That's Hillary Clinton's 90s record, the super predator comment, the Clinton's crime bill, I really do think bitter in the ass. Hmm. And I think that's why black men did not show up because they, the Clintons, have damaged a generation, a generation. Sure. Yeah, so that black, makes sense. that's the shit black people think about. You know, it's like, well, you, you through your, through your policies and calling black men super predators, you have created a, you have played into the white supremacist system mm-hmm. by singling us out. Right. Yeah. Well, fuck you. We're <laughs> staying home, and I don't, I don't blame them for that. Yeah. Is there demographic information? regarding black men who voted like was it was it particularly like gen x black men like that would be interesting to see because like those would be the ones who would be more the implicated younger, the younger ones whereas like the voted ones who were like more for trump actually really interesting yeah but, uh, you can't you can't get black voters by saying so and so's a racist we're like we all know you're all racist like <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so what are you trying to tell us yeah news at 11 yeah you know, so Hillary Clinton, obviously, the other thing, too, is that there's a new generation of black voters, right? Yeah. That remember Hillary Clinton, not as Hillary Clinton, the feminist, not as mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, the the ones who made inroads into the black community, but Hillary Clinton, the super predator comment. Yeah. yeah. So and I think that that's part of the reason I think that sank her more than people realize. Yeah. And I think that. That's what a lot of younger voters remember. Mm-hmm. And in in doing that, she was tainted from the beginning. Yeah. She was done. Yeah. Unless she acknowledged that. And the fact that Black Lives Matter had to force her to acknowledge that. Yeah. Like they had to force her. And the fact that she was so rude to them and then it ended up on Twitter, it's not a good look. So 
I think, again, Hillary's a product of her time. She um, and a lot of these politicians are a product of their time. I'm not saying that Cory Booker would, would get the black vote out either. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a guarantee. But what I love about this is that black voters are not your guarantee anymore. Yeah. They, we don't have to show up. Yeah. And in a, in a strange way, like, I totally support it because, A, our vote has been taken for granted for so long. Mm-hmm. And, B, um, wow, they can really sink the Democrats. Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just black men staying home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That really sank Hillary Clinton. It really did. Yeah. Oh, this is the other thing about black votes is that um, they, they're still the largest non-white voting block and they're also, they're also present voting blocks in key states, in swing states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're heavily concentrated in swing states. Yep. Yeah. So that even 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 if you get a whole bunch of Latinos, again, coming down to the electoral college, this is not a popular vote. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have to get them in specific areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to point out um, there is uh, an episode of Pod Save the People with Jerry McKesson, who is amazing. Mm-hmm. I haven't um, listened to that podcast yet. Which is it's called Behind the Vote, and they talk about voting rights. Have you listened cool. to it? I have not listened to this specific episode. Okay. Um, but the podcast in general is very, very good. Well, that's why you have a whole bunch of Republican um, governors who are who are taking, like, literally take blocking the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, mm. it's because they know that Black voters vote Democrat, and if they can restrict Black voters from showing up, yep. then as we've shown, that has um, an impact too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Aaron. Well, on a on a completely separate and different note, take us to the mountaintop, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in May, um, the TV upfronts happened, and that's where major networks announced their fall TV lineups. Um, and typically, studios bring a whole bunch of new shows, but mm-hmm. this year, uh, networks opted to bring in fewer shows, which I assume is because they. You know, people are watching less TV or they're Mm -hmm. just so used to having so many new shows only to have a lot of them, like half of them be canceled. YouTube has taken over primetime. Yeah. So if people are canceling shows halfway through, why not half of your season? Why not just not go forward with them at all? Also, that's why we heard about those whole, all those cancellations then. Yeah. 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 Yeah, There were so many. So they moved forward with the ones that they thought were going to be the strongest um, and hit the... Trimming the fat. Which, great, sure, fine. Um, however, <laughs> always, <laughs> the problem is that this year, uh, women-led shows were hit really hard, uh, with those shows making up only 11 out of 36 new shows on all major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, da 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 the CW, um, was, so, which is less than 33%. When, uh, last year, out of the 40 new shows that were introduced last fall, only or sorry, 20 were female leads, so like just under 50%. Wow. Yeah. Well, as soon as I said trim the fat, I said, oh, no, Erica, no, because you know which fat they're going to trim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, basically anything not white and male. Yeah, um, so basically yeah. The, they, they're con- calling this trend towards the new show. Oh, sorry, the shows that are being um, developed are 
more military-themed dramas led by oh, tough guys. Uh, there's a rise in male-dominated sci-fi shows <sighs> and comic book shows. And the article uh, I'm referencing comes from IndieWire, and they have called this the quote-unquote dude life crisis. That's hilarious. So a lot of the shows that uh, are going to be on TV come fall have a bunch of generic white guys. Uh, Zach Braff. Oh, really? Who is, like, adorable. (laughs) No, he's adorable, but, like, generic. I'm tired of these generic white guys, okay? I'm tired. Oh, wait. It gets better. Is it Tom Powers on on, on Q? Because he's the generic white guy. Yeah. And I'm tired. I'm tired. Q lost me because of Tom Powers. I know. Okay. Uh, Also, Jason Ritter. What? Oh, oh. What's with this? Hold on. Josh Radner. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know who from, Josh Radner um, uh, What the show with the, with, um, suit up with a fucking guy. Neil Patrick Harris. Colby oh. Small, Smulders. Suits? Suits? No. I don't. Literally not. I don't know who Neil Patrick Harris are. Is. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. The one where like, he ended um, up with um, Robin Sparkles. Things. Um, I'm going to Google it. What? Things I, something about I don't you. fucking know. What? <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I totally Something know. Something about your know. mother. Yeah, How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Okay. I do know. Who he played Ted, Ted, who was the worst character on the show. Yeah, yeah but that's what dude bros love. Anyways, uh, also Bobby Monaghan. Who's that? Don't know who that is. Uh, he it's was an on, Irish He used to be on, like, Saturday Night Live, I think. Oh, okay. And, of course, the fucking douche of them all, Jeremy Piven. I do know who Jeremy oh, Piven is. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know what? Like, oh. What is with, can I, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> this dude, bro, this love of the dude, bro. I don't understand. Like, I feel like I'm in, I'm in like a, a 13 year old boy circle jerk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like what the fuck? Like Jeremy Piven, he's trash. He's garbage. I, okay. I would like to say that the reason I know who Jeremy Piven is is because I Googled sober celebrities <laughs> and he came up because he went to rehab. Uh, He's trash. Uh, so. Um, Jeremy Piven. Okay. So we are in now, now let me just, let me just provide context here. We're in the middle of resistance. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what these dude and then they want to tell you that it's because of pirating that they're losing money. No, it's your fucking choices of shows. Oh wait. I've got more good news. Oh great. So CBS is actually the least diverse and has the fewest women led shows. Um, but their CEO, a woman, defended the network, noting that quote more women watch CBS percentage wise than any other network. So our shows have a lot of female appeal. We do a number of pilots. A lot of them have women in starring roles. And there are a lot of women on this schedule. The best pilots win at the end of the day. We think our track record is okay. First of all, that's a poem. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, but that's what they say. I would have her fired for thinking that okay is good enough, first of all. Like, yeah, that's mediocrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank yeah. you, and you know how I feel about mediocrity. Not great. This is this is what happens though with film too, right? Is that women will watch what is given to us because that's what's available, and that's exactly the point. The point yeah. is is that women are raised and trained to watch whatever is put in front of them, 
We yeah. will watch whatever is on TV. We will watch whatever is in the theaters. Yeah. But when it come when the script flips and it's women le- leading shows, we'll directing it. shows, men are taken they're out like, of oh, their norm flick. and yeah. they're chick flicks. They're not serious. It's othered. Yeah. It's othered. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you know the people making the decisions about what gets made, regardless on TV in movies, I'm gonna they're name... all fucking middle aged white men, and yeah. they want to see. They relate to middle-aged white stories, and that's what they make. Of, like, fat white dudes who have, like, a super gorgeous, thin, perfect wife who has to be, like... Which in real life would never happen unless they're fucking rich. Exactly. Let's be honest. This is true. The average white guy cannot... Oh, wait. Oh, that's why they take mail-order brides. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's a market, honey. Yeah. I, I just... You know... Okay, so I'm going to... Be a bit more positive. Okay. For once, this app. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to name off a few shows that I think that everybody should watch because they are chick flick shows and some of them may be done, but you can get them online. It'll be fine. So I love Christine Baranski. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. I love her too. Yeah. She, do you know that she has a spinoff show from The Good yes. Wife? Mm-hmm. It's called The Good Fight. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've not watched it yet. Ooh, it's great. Yeah, I love it her. is great. Love her. I love Christy. It is one of the few shows where the majority of dialogue is female driven. Mm. It also takes place at an African American firm. Oh, mm. interesting. Which is very interesting. And Delroy Lindo, who I love, is don't don't worry, you'd have to look him. Up. It's it's okay. okay. He's just okay. one of those people like, that like I just happen to personally know who he is okay. because I've just seen him in places, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, he looks like my West Indian like uncle, so that's why I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway, he's in it for for those who, of you who know who he is. Um, that's a great show to watch. Rain. Have you ever seen Rain? R e i g n. I've heard of it. It's excellent. What's it about? It is a female-driven show about Mary, Queen of Scots. Uh, no, it's, it's, no, 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 it's really good. I haven't even watched well, The Crown. No, 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 no. It's mm. not, I'm recommending it. Okay, I like period pieces. I don't but, really. But it does have a, it's not, it's a show, honestly, where men take the back seat. <laughs> In, within Vic, um, Elizabethan okay. times, right? Yeah. So, what's her name? Oh gosh, Anne of Green Gables. Megan follows. Fallows follows. Mm, I don't know. Shit. <laughs> she's like a. She's like. Damn it. it anyway. Doesn't matter. Anyway, all this to say that um, it's a great, like what I would call more of like a female-driven show. Um. I also want to know, like, I guess... Megan Follows. Okay. I feel like sometimes, like, networks maybe think that men won't watch female-led shows, but they maybe will if we just make good female-led shows. Like, you know, like, if every female lead show is about, like, her neuroses, like, if every female-led show is going to be Grey's Anatomy, nobody's going to watch it, men or women. Right. You know, because it's all about, like navel-gazing neuroses. Whereas, like, I mean, I love that J-Lo Shades of Blue show with Ray Liotta. I like it, too. Yeah. Uh, So do I. I like, I'll be honest with you, I like seeing J-Lo on screen. Yes. And she's perfectly has, she has the perfectly balanced, moisturized face I've ever seen. How does she do it? Isn't it 
beautifully she's balanced. Another, she's another teetotaling celebrity. Yo. Yeah. I, you know what? I have mixed emotions about JLo and her old times matter, con, you know, yeah, yeah. transformation or whatever. But I still do like watching her. She's I'll a, be honest She's amazing. You. She's amazing. So another kind of tidbit is that uh, ABC actually just canceled a show called Last Man Standing, which starred Tim Allen. Oh, from Home Improvement? From Home Improvement. Nice. Jonathan oh, Taylor Thomas. How can you know Tim Allen? Because Jonathan Taylor Thomas was my first celebrity crush. Oh. Okay. I had posters of him from my Tiger Beat all over Fair my Fair enough. Vegan. Tiger Beat, yo. Yeah, Tiger Beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... And so the show was, you know, very popular on the network and on TV. Um, however, after five seasons, they canceled it. And this cancellation has led to con- some conservative pundits wondering whether the cancellation was due to the fact that Tim Allen is openly Shitty. conservative mm. or his character on the show was conservative. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, while there's, it's not likely that they were, the show was canceled. It had five seasons. Yeah. Five. Yeah. So it's like they, it's not likely. Five seasons. It's not likely they cancel it because Liar. he is he and his character are conservative, but like Tim Allen's also demanding a very high salary, and it's just like a middle show. It's not like astronomical, like that garbage oh, Big oh, Bang okay. theory. So now just mediocre white men should get jobs. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. So Let's like, fuck off. people like, are doing Change dot org petitions saying that conservatives deserve to have a voice on TV. They have too much of a voice. They have a voice in the fucking White House. What more do they want? They have the whole TLC channel. Jeez. (laughs) And A&E. Yeah, and A&E. I remember Uh, when A&E used to be good. I do, too. Yeah, me too. How about this? He just wasn't good enough. He wasn't merited to be in his position. How about that? Yeah. Well, it's... it's it's interesting to think about it too with all these like reduxes that they're doing like where they're like they're going to bring back Roseanne and like imagining Roseanne in the Trump era is like I wasn't allowed to watch that show I feel like that would be interesting though yeah yeah, I like I, my mom didn't like the way the kids talked to their mother, and so we were not allowed Ooh, to watch it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was that was the reason. Yeah, you too. Yeah, we weren't oh my allowed. Gosh. Or The Simpsons. Totally. Oh, I didn't watch The Simpsons. Yeah, no, I wasn't yeah. allowed to watch that. No, I no, wasn't no. allowed to watch Roseanne either because of that. Yeah, this is just so rude. I don't even know why. Yeah, my mother was it. like, I no, can't imagine no. a family talking to each no. other like that. You're not watching. This yeah, show. basically. Yeah. Anyway, so it'll be interesting to see like conservatism on television when they are bringing back these shows that were like hits in the 90s. Yeah. So. I didn't even know Tim Allen was a conservative. I'm not surprised. I don't really care. But, (laughs) you know, should we give Ted Nugent a job too, just because? Well, look at what happened to those Duck Dynasty people. They're making millions again, aren't they? Well, I think Annie cut their show and then there was such a public outcry about it that they had to bring it back. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Because we love racism. Yay. (sighs) Television. This is why podcasts are taking over. Because there's a diversity of voices. Also, podcasts are also skewing white <laughs> and middle class. Let's not it pretend. Is, it, well, it's serious. That's true. It's the serial that is phenomenon. True. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, I mean, if you think of, like, a podcast like The Read. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's not white. And, you know, you're yeah. getting more of a diversity of podcasts now. Yes, but, like, it depending, like, you have to really search for them. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like, the ones that are at your fingertips are white. That's true. Yeah, on the, like, new and noteworthy charts. And, like, the recommended. Even yeah, on the, like, true. the top 100 chart, predominantly yeah. white. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny because it's whites talking about how white it is. 
<laughs> yeah. It's all like NPR. Yeah. NPR white people being like, yeah. oh, there's isn't no it diversity. So white? Oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true though. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But um, this is another reason why, again, like YouTube's taking over. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, nobody should feel sorry for any establishment brand. Yeah. Or any, I don't care. The like Lily Singh phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Nobody should feel sorry for them. Yeah. Because, you know, Lily Singh. Yeah. Michelle Fan. Yeah. Like, these are people. Who to Katan. Who went to town. By yep. the way, there's an article in why Michelle Fan left YouTube that I'm dying to go to. Mm-hmm. Dying to read. But um, there's a reason why people, we now have an alternative. Totally. And that is the difference. Yeah. It's not, it's not, I don't think that our, I don't think that we now crave more diversity. It's now possible yeah. to crave that, to demand it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the internet. And so, but like, I look at Canadian media and I'm like, well, I'm not surprised you're losing money when you put people like Tom Powers, you know. Yeah. I'm, Tom Powers to me is a prototype. Yeah. You know, of this inoffensive white guy who's just, uh, you yeah. know, but really has nothing to offer. I love your white guy impression. Uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. That's Are we ready thing. for misogynist of the week? Yeah. Okay. Bailey. Uh, Give it to us. So misogynist of the week is where we look at who's been the biggest misogynist this week. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dubious did, distinction did you best. just mansplain misogynist of the week to us I felt that the that title was peak mansplaining <laughs> the title wasn't explanatory enough so I felt I needed to explain it anyway uh, so misogynist of the week goes to a, a group of men in Austin who uh, caused a public outcry when a theater in Austin decided to do an all woman wonder all woman wonder woman screening so, uh, yes, they fuck. they said it was discriminatory. They were like, "That's not fair. That's not fair." Um, so there was uh, we posted about this on our Facebook. But I think what was really interesting to me is that there one of the men, a, a lawyer who filed the lawsuit or like looked into the city regulations about it or whatever. He said it was discriminatory, discriminatory on the basis that there are men who want to celebrate women's empowerment too. And so why should they be left out? They can go to a normal screening yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And just buy a ticket. Yeah. What did he say, sorry? He said that uh, there are men who want to celebrate women's empowerment as well. And so why should they be left out? It's discriminatory to leave them out of the screening. They can buy a fucking ticket and show their support with their fucking money. To me, that's just like so classic male ally. And then you're like, okay, well, great. Thanks for coming to take back the night. But men march at the back. They're like, what the fuck? The point of being an ally is that you take a secondary position. Exactly. And you understand. And you cede space to the people who you're being an ally to. Yeah. If If you're trying to take over that space and if you're trying to make rules... Yeah. For that space and what is discriminatory and what is not, you're no ally. It's just I'm tired of white guys. You know what? I'm tired of listen, white guys, I'm tired of you mansplaining <laughs> what sexism is or white splaining what racism is. Or I discrimination. don't need to tell or discrimination. Don't tell me what in your little puny mind is discrimination because I can guarantee that I've forgotten more than you have ever learned about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I could teach you. I should be teaching you, but it's exhausting. Okay, so I'm, I'm so like, 
<laughs> I'm like, <laughs> she's got her arms, arms crossed. Like, she's slumping over. I'm like, I'm salty, man. I'm just well, salty. In this Broadly article, the author has the good sense to talk to other legal experts to find out if this is actually discrimination, and of course it isn't. Like, the, I think what men don't understand is that we are so constantly suffocated by your taking up space in every space that when we when we just ask for a screening to ourselves it's not it's it's not discriminatory it's like it's just to breathe we just want to breathe for um, a few minutes let me just say so i'm going to okay spoiler alert <laughs> have you seen the movie house of cards oh, okay, okay. House of Cards, spoiler alert. Okay, okay. there's this... I, I'm going to be as general as possible so that, you know, everybody doesn't hate me. Okay. Um, there's a part in... Because I'm on, like, episode 11 or something. Whoa. Yeah. I had I went to town. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. That's what I did this weekend. This week. <laughs> whatever. Anyway. Um, so, it there is this gathering that Frank has to go to... Um, for to let's say add security to his presidential bid it's all men Mm -hmm. it's all not even the one percent it's like the one percent of the one percent and they basically sit there and decide who's going to be the next president Mm -hmm. right right so what i'm trying to say is that the spaces that are men only still exist I, I granted, yeah, I, I know it's the house only. of cards and it's not like No, but that. those spaces exist. But they exist and they have um, a disproportionate effect yeah. on everybody else who's not them. And they tend to exist by default. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, like it's it's not like they, they, they're like, oh, this is a men's only space. It's just that so many spaces are male dominated that they're by default men's, men's spaces. spaces. Mm-hmm. But that is the default. Yeah, yep. exactly. And... We like that's when we talk about power structures. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And so I think for some people to even grasp this concept, yeah, like those who are homeschooled, um, (laughs) they I really do think we have to acknowledge what the default is, yeah, and work from there. The default is that white men get to be in power and in spaces of power, not just spaces. Yeah. But spaces of power, yeah, that nobody else dare um, step into. Yeah, I'm sure Laurentian elites in in Canada have their own male only space where people like Andrew Coyne to de- de- decide what you know. Yeah, for sure. I, I do pick on Andrew Coyne, but not even him. Yeah, right. No, because exactly. he's not even he yeah. wouldn't even be allowed in that space, right? But yeah. but. The idea is that there is a very small group of people determining the fates of everybody else. Yeah. And they're all men and they're all white. Yeah. And cis and and straight and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's how it it still operates. Yeah. It's just that technology fucks some shit up. And they don't realize certain things, but they still have that power. So, bottom line, if you believe in women's empowerment, you can believe in marginalized genders having a space unto themselves without men. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyway. So that's Misogynist of the Week. Good job, Austin. (laughs) (laughs) 
Austin. I love Austin. Keep things weird, man. Uh, Austin is like, Austin is that that progressive oasis in the middle of Texas. <laughs> Shout and, out to Hippie Hollow Nude Beach. <laughs> Anyways, that does it for another episode of Bad and Bitchy. You can follow us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, and on Facebook we are Bad and Bitchy Podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, to rate us, send us an email if you want, send us some love notes, yeah. you know, badandbpod at gmail.com. We, we can take your hate too, I suppose. Yeah. At Erica. <laughs> <laughs> Especially all that homeschool hate. Whatever. I feel no way. Oh, anyway, know this. <laughs> See you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.